in what Walter just read, an amazing passage. So let me just tell you, uh, as I say, God always works on my heart. Well, <laughs> not always in the way I want him to work. It's like, why can't you work in the way that I want you to work where everything goes perfect and nothing goes wrong? So it doesn't always work that way. So what happened to me was, as God was having me prepare this message for me to change me, to give me what I need to say, uh, I, I went to my brother's house. And it was a birthday party, and I walked in, and my brother was there and his brother-in-law. And I walked in, I sat down, they're watching the Yankee game, and usually when you go in, you know, it, it's, it's kind of relaxing to go to someone else's house. You don't have to do anything. They're feeding you. It's a wonderful thing. I sit down, and they start to say small talk. So, have you seen any good movies? And I'm thinking, yes. I just saw Wonder Woman, one of the best DC movies they've ever come out with. It's an easy thing to speak about, right? And then all of a sudden, the Lord starts to speak to me and say, oh, really? That's the best movie you've seen. Just the night before, my family sat down and we watched The Case for Christ. Now, my brother-in-law, my, my brother's there with his brother-in-law. Now, I'll give you a little background with my family. I love them. They love me. I, over the years, have told them about Jesus Christ, and they have always graciously said, no, thank you. In such some funny ways. One Christmas, I wrapped up uh, John Piper's book for all my brothers. I have four brothers. I gave them the book. Uh, I was so excited. I gave it to them. They had the book. I was driving home. I thought, yes, they kept the books. It was a Christmas present. Why wouldn't you keep a present someone gave you? And I looked in the back seat, and all the books were in the back seat of the car. So that's the kind of thing. I gave my brother a, um, a track one time, and he said, no, thank you. I said, okay. So it's not something we usually speak about. His brother-in-law is Jewish. So when we come in, and I want to say, I just saw Wonder Woman, like the best movie ever, which really it isn't, and I saw A Case for Christ, Lee Strobel happens to be a brilliant journalist for the Chicago Tribune, or was, and his story is amazing. The movie was amazing. They were at dinner one night, and their daughter starts to choke and almost died. And Lee Strobel and his wife almost lose their daughter, but there's a Christian nurse there. And the Christian nurse in the restaurant saves their daughter. And Lee Strobel's wife says to um, the nurse, it was so lucky that you were here. And she said, no, not really. It wasn't luck. I believe in Jesus Christ, and I wasn't coming to this restaurant tonight. I was going somewhere else. I came here because God told me to. And Lee Strobel's wife couldn't get it out of her mind. She actually sought this nurse out afterwards, and they became friends. And the nurse brought her to church. Lee Strobel's wife becomes a Christian. Lee Strobel says, this is the worst thing that could have ever happened in my life. It's the worst thing. My wife is a Christian. She believes in Jesus. My life is over. I'm going to prove, the good journalist that he is, I'm going to prove. I'm going to prove that Jesus is not real. Not only that he isn't real, he didn't die. He didn't rise. He, he wasn't real as God. He didn't rise again. So Lee Strobel spends three years of his life and telling his wife, our marriage is over. And he becomes a Christian. He actually, God works in his life as, he write, as he's doing all of this. God works in his heart and his life that he commits his life to Jesus Christ. So I'm sitting in front of my brother and his brother-in-law, and I'm like, yeah, I saw a Wonder Woman. What's going on in my heart? What's going on in my circumstances? What's going on in my mind that I couldn't say to them, I just saw the best movie ever. It's called Case for Christ. 
It's a story about a man who doesn't believe in God. He tries to prove that Jesus isn't real, and then he finds out that Jesus is real. Now, why couldn't I say that? Now, I did eventually say something like, um, yeah, I saw this movie. What's the name? It's a Case for Christ, dear. That's it. And then I kind of went in that way. And, and we did speak about it. By the end of the night, my brother's brother-in-law actually was saying, what's the name of that movie again? Let me write it down. Is it on demand? I'll watch it. Let me see. So it did work out. But what I'm trying to say to you is sharing Jesus Christ with, peop- with people are not, is not the easiest thing. I could stand here and speak to you like this. That's easier than when you're sitting in front of somebody and you're worried about what they're going to say to you, what they're going to do. And, it, and if we're not prepared, it could be a very difficult thing. And I don't know, maybe some of you are expert evangelists and you don't have a problem with that. I'm not one like that. And I'll just admit, I'm not like that at all. So today, I want Walter read that story. And here is Paul standing in front of Agrippa, a king standing in front of his wife, his sister, Bernice. He's standing in front of the whole city of Caesarea. He's in front of all of them in chains. He is outnumbered, outgunned, and here he is saying, Jesus Christ is my Lord and my Savior, and I don't care what you think, I'm here to convert you. That's what Paul was there for. And he knew he was there for that. So today we want to speak about Jesus Christ being first in my heart and in your heart. Jesus Christ being first in our circumstances. And Jesus Christ being first in our message. It's so important to get those things right. So I just wanted to speak first about Jesus Christ first in your heart. Look what Paul did. He stood in front of that that whole auditorium. And basically he's standing there saying, I am not ashamed of the gospel from Romans. I'm not ashamed of the gospel. It's the power of God. I know what I'm doing here. God is my help. I am going to stand here and tell you God is my help. You're not more powerful than me, O king. Bernice and Festus, who was the governor, all they wanted to do was kill Paul. All they wanted to do was destroy him. And all he wanted to do was say, I love you. Not only do I love you, But God loves you. God loves you so much, and you don't understand. But see, Paul's heart was not always that way. Paul's heart was not always someone who could stand there and say, I am God's servant. He said, King Agrippa, I was God's enemy. I was his enemy. I persecuted Jesus. I was like you, just like you. And I would take Christians and I would drag them out of the house. And I would make them blaspheme. I would make them say they didn't believe in Jesus if I could. So King Agrippa, do you understand that I was just like you? And and in my heart, I have to understand when I'm sharing the gospel with somebody, I was just like them. By God's grace and mercy, he has saved me, taken my cold stone heart, given me a new heart. Paul could say, I am a new creation. I'm a new new creation, and everybody here who has Jesus Christ in their heart can say, I am a new creation. Amen, we're new creations. Paul's a new creation. 
I thought of myself, and I could have told you many stories that would probably make you think differently of me, and this one might as well. But when I was about 15 years old, I had bought a car. I had no license, no permit. I didn't have any insurance, and I thought it was a great idea. It's my car. I bought it. I'm going for a ride. I put the bandana on, if you can believe that. Come on, you can see it. Big bandana on my head. I had the bandana on my head. I hopped in the car. I started the car up, and I went down Jericho Turnpike. Woohoo! I'm not kidding. I think I did that. The windows were open. I had hair back then. It was flying. And all of a sudden, you hear, Woo! I love the fourth precinct. I really do. They pull me over. I don't really remember exactly, but either I went to the precinct and he brought me down there because he just couldn't believe it. He was like, really, buddy? So he took me down or he took me home. I didn't get my license until I was 19 years old. And then when I did get my, I went for my test, I actually got in the car. I started it up and they must have had my record because I went like this, go back, fail. I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm never going to get my license. You see, my heart was I'm going to do what I want to do when I want to do it. And I'm like that now, but God always pulls me back. The Holy Spirit inside of me says, whoa. And sometimes that works and sometimes it doesn't. And if it doesn't work, he always works it out. But I'm trying to say your heart and my heart, think about your heart this morning. Not your spouses, not your brothers, not your, think of your heart. What were you like before Jesus Christ changed you? See, my brothers can tell I'm different. My brother said to me, Mark, you're different, and I know you're different. You know how I know you're different? Because you hit your head. I'm like, what? I thought he was going to say, because you, you believe in God. I hit my head. I literally hit my head, and he said, you're different, and, and you have this God thing because you hit your head. That's what he thinks. But we know different. It's not just that I hit my head. That does some things to me, but it... <laughs> It's because God has changed my heart. So we have to think of those things. You know, and I, and I, and I apologize, um, Stephanie, I'm just going to use it as an example. And she's probably saying, oh, my gosh. But it's a good thing. It's a really good thing. And because God changes your heart. And he has you do things that you normally wouldn't do. And Stephanie has been discipling these young women in our church. And I'm emotional. I tend to cry, so don't mind me. But she's been discipling my daughter and Miriam and Julia and other people in this church and other young people in this church. It's an amazing thing. But really struck me. It really hit home that God changes our heart to work in other people's lives when one night Stephanie couldn't make it. She, the, some, the meeting was canceled or whatever. So I'm at home. I'm walking down the hallway. And we have a little office where I think Trisha used to, it was her bedroom. And I knock on the door. And I open it up, and there is Miriam, there's Julia, and there's Emma. And they've got their Bibles open. And they're doing their lesson that they were going to do. Come on! When I was 15, I was driving down the road with a bandana on my head, being chased by the police. And we have things happening in this church that are amazing, that only can happen because of what God does. The other day... Linda and I uh, went to a meeting in the morning and Saturday, and uh, I also think about what God does in your heart, and sometimes you're not prepared. I know I was not prepared. So I'm thinking, we went to the meeting, I'm hungry, and I want to eat. 
So we went to Strathmore Bagel. We go up to Strathmore Bagel. We go to walk in. And there's a gentleman there. I, th I thought he was in a wheelchair, but I think he was in a regular chair. And he said, can you spare some money? And for some reason, I was like, I'm really sorry. I only have a debit card. And I don't think I said it that cold, but I was like, I'm really sorry. I, I can't help you. And Linda was next to me, so we walk away. So I walk, but Linda didn't walk with me. <laughs> she stopped and she said, can we buy you some breakfast? And that man's face lit up. And I thought, I don't want to put the finger on me that I, that I blew it so well, but really what happened was that she knew that there's, a, there's always a way to reach out to someone to help him. We gave this guy breakfast. It was like the happiest day. You know, he, he was able to get something. And I thought, sometimes my heart, I wasn't unloving. I wasn't, not that I didn't care about him, I really wasn't thinking, and I really wasn't prepared. So those kind of things, thinking about your heart, thinking what God can do in your heart. So the, the second thing is Jesus in your heart. You're a new creation. Just asking God, asking him every single day, God, please change my heart if he needs to. Please prepare me this day to use my heart that you have created new to use my heart to save sinners and glorify you. We don't save them. God does. But to use me to be able to share the gospel with people. And I understand with my brother and his brother-in-law, it would not have been cool if I took out my Bible and smacked him in the head and said, you need Jesus. It would not be cool. That's not what he's talking about. It's talking about living our lives every day in the small ways. There's a, a lady at work where I was able to speak to her, a young lady, 24 years old, has a son, and she said to me, she said, you know, and this was an, an odd thing, she said, you, you should be a pastor. And I said, why in the world do you say that? She said, because you listen to me. And I said, I don't know if that's a qualification to be a pastor, that you listen to somebody. But for her, she was trying to connect the dots. Now that opens up for me that I could say to her, and I have said to her, where are you spiritually? What do you think about God? And it may take a long time, but that's what God, he's asking us to do with our hearts. The second thing was God in your circumstances. Thinking about God in your circumstances. Think about Paul standing there in chains. He could hardly lift his hand because he's in chains, right? And you have King Agrippa. He was a Herod. His great-grandfather, Herod the Great, killed all the babies in Bethlehem. His father killed James and imprisoned Peter. He's sitting next to Bernice, who's really his sister, and they have been having an affair, and all of Rome knows about it. You have Festus, who's the governor. He's just worried about his job. They have the whole military tribunal sitting there where Paul is standing in front of them. It's the whole town. It's the whole city. It's everybody. And Paul is eating it up. His circumstances are not hampering him in any way. This is what God said would happen to the apostles. I'm going to send you before kings. I'm going to send you before princes. I'm going to send you, and I will, through the Holy Spirit, give you what to say. Do you know God gave me what to say to my brother and my, his brother-in-law? It just, I got in the way a little bit. And I eventually did say it. But he will give you, when you are in a circumstance that you are having to share Christ, he'll give you what to say. But what about the other things in our lives? What about the other circumstances? 
What about the holding patterns God puts in our lives? What about the things God does in your life where you may question him? I have questioned God before, and I've had people say, well, you can't do that. I think, well, I already did. I did. I, I oh, hey, hey, what are you doing? Are you crazy? It's not the way we should talk to God, but that's the way I did talk to God. And that's the way people will talk to God when you get in a circumstance, if you're in a holding pattern, if you've been in a situation for a day, and I know that many of you have been in situations for years. You have been in situations so long, you're crying out, God, what are you doing? And why are you doing it? And I'll tell you why he's doing it. And it's hard for me to believe, but he's using your circumstances and my circumstances that other people will be saved and he will be glorified. He wants other people to see your circumstance. He wants to see uh, the, the tears and the pain and everything that you're going through. He will use it for good. It doesn't feel that way, though, does it? It really doesn't feel that way. But God will use Whatever he's putting you through. I don't generally like to read, but I will read some things this morning. When I was doing my devotions, this hit home so hard to me. After all the terrible difficulties in life, mostly caused by his own brothers, Joseph told his family, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Like that, I, I'm sorry, I like that word intended. The God of the Bible is a God of intention, even when perhaps, especially when it involves accidents, mishaps, and attacks. Even in the face of unexpected twists and turns, even in unforeseen calamities, perpetuated by people with evil motives, God still has a purpose, a target, a goal, a plan. And sometimes I say, no, he doesn't, but he does. And I know he does. This means your trials have more meaning, much more than you realize. Think of your trial this morning, whatever that is for you. My trial is different than yours. Your trial is is different than theirs, and so on. God has given you a trial, and maybe he hasn't shown you yet what it's for. Your problems have more purpose than you can imagine, not because God merely uses bad things, but because he intends them for the salvation of others. He purposed your problems so your example of faith, and trust me, I stand here this morning, my example of faith is, poor most of the time. He purposed your problems so your example of faith and patience and determinedly happy heart will bring others to Jesus. He wants to use what you're going through. And now you're probably saying, okay, well, I had a loss of a loved one. I lost my child. I lost my wife. My life is over. Right now, I'm angry at God. Right now, I question what he's doing. You know, I'm not standing here today telling you, oh my gosh, uh, why are you sad? Why are you questioning? You need to buck up and, and move on. That's not what I'm saying. Please don't hear that. What I'm saying is God will work it out. One of the best examples I've heard about this was Luis Palau about a year ago. I heard him speak. He's an evangelist. And he spoke about this family called the Wagners. 
Listen, they're serving the Lord with their daughters. They're giving their time to serve Jesus Christ. And they, they go to a concert and an a evangelist um, conference. And they're working so hard for the Lord. Well, on the way home from the conference, a drunk, out-of-their-mind stoned person hits their car and kills their two daughters. Luis Palau cancels everything. And this happened about two weeks before 9-11. Now, these people, I can't imagine. I wouldn't even know. But what they said is amazing to me. And I, and I, I said I didn't really like to read too much, but I do have some of this. I, I went through this, and it was so open. It was so honest about what they were saying. So really, what had happened was they struggled. They struggled for a long time. It was eight years, not the next day. It was eight years. And some of the things they were saying was that they were mad at God. Okay, God, why did you do this? How come this happened? It says, and I'll just read some of this to you. Meanwhile, counselors visited Dan and Lynn for the first year. Their church held them close, supporting them, loving them, like a mother loves her child. And Dan said, and God began to do a work in us. Doesn't happen overnight. He shared a glimpse of how they, they processed the grief. My own thoughts and feelings wanted to, to believe that perhaps God did not have the power to stop the accident. That God did not know it was going to happen. Or God was tied up with other business and could not attend us at that time. God did not have the authority to stop the accident or he simply didn't care. So these are the things that are going on in their mind. Or... He said, I can choose to believe what God said about himself in the Bible. He is all-powerful. He could have stopped it. He's all-knowing. He certainly knew it was going to happen. He is everywhere at all times, and he was there then. He is sovereign. He had the authority to stop it. He is love. He is love. Therefore, his action or non-action was the expression of his love. It was not overnight. But they chose, they chose to believe and to trust in God in that horrible situation. So eight years later, they meet with the girl who killed their daughters. The girl was being worked on in prison by God as well, and she accepted Jesus Christ in her heart. This family gets together with this girl, and they forgive her face to face, but they couldn't do it before. It was eight years, so it's not something that happens overnight. Just trust in God. He is working, even if you don't feel it. He is doing amazing things, even if you don't see it. And I know that. And we all have seen that. But when it's us, when it's us in the trenches, sometimes it's not that easy to understand. So God wants to work in your heart. He wants to work in my heart. He wants to work in your circumstances. And, and thirdly and finally, he wants to work in your message. He wants to work in my message. Not, oh, Mike, you know, I saw this movie and it was okay. No, he wants me to say, Jesus is my Lord. He's my Savior. I stand here today because God has helped me in my life. Let me tell you how he's helped me. Our message, first and, and foremost, needs to be that Jesus Christ is alive. One of the things with the Gripper and Bernice and the Pharisees and everyone who's against Paul, you know, you know what their, their message was? Their message was, Jesus is dead. Paul, Jesus is dead. 
And Paul said, no. Walter read this. Jesus needs to suffer. The Christ needs to suffer. And he needs to rise from the dead. And I've met him. And he's alive. Our message needs to be that Jesus Christ is alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. He's alive. And he loves each one of us. He is with you. And he cares for you. Our message needs to be, simply put, that the gospel is that Jesus Christ died for you. He died for me. He died for the whole world. Now, Paul standing there with a new heart in these circumstances, you know what he was doing? He felt nothing but love for these people. Have you met people out in the world? Have you, in your daily walk, met people? And have you, have you thought, wow, I really want to witness to all these people? Some people who were dirty and not so clean and not so clean with their mouth. And, you know, sometimes it's difficult, right? Well, I would like to witness to them because I think it would be easier to witness to them. And maybe this person, not so easy. God had Paul in such a situation where he was looking at his message that I want the whole world and everyone to know Jesus. So he's standing there and King Agrippa says, finally, as Walter read, are you trying? Are you trying to convert me? Are you trying to save me? Are you trying to make me like you? And Paul said, yes, that's why I'm here. I'm here to convert you to my Savior and my Lord, and I want you to believe in my God. That's why I'm here, but not just you, great and small, everybody here. I don't want you to have my chains, he said. I don't want you to be like me. I don't want you to be in prison, but I want you to believe in Jesus. I want you to know my God. I want you to have what I have. I want you to be able to pray to a God who listens to you. I want you to be able to walk hand in hand with my Lord so the world will know who he is. I want to work through your heart. I want to work through your circumstances, and I want to work through your message. You know, one of the things I was going to do today I was going to grab all my books, speaking about God is our message, and I was going to walk out that back door. I was going to fling the doors open. I was going to go out in the parking lot, and I was going to hope that this thing would work, and I could speak to you and say, our message needs to go out. It's not just here. It is here because, trust me, I grow so much. I, I came late to prayer and praise this morning, as usual, and, but the, the time that I spent there, I learned so much. You know, us together is for a reason and a purpose that we unite together, that we can go out. If we're not united and we don't spend time together and we don't hang out together, then when you go out there, your flame is going to fizzle. But we can't just stay here. We need to go out those doors. And I'm going to do it anyway because, you know, and I only have one more point left anyway. Imagine if I just left and kept going. All right. Right, is this going to work? It's going to work outside? Okay. So our message cannot stay here. It really can't. This is wonderful, and I love hanging out with you people. But what we do needs to go beyond these doors. It needs to go out these windows. It needs to go all over. I was rollerblading this morning, and I met this guy named Sean. And I'm rollerblading, and I see a wallet in the middle of the street. My first thought was, money, money for me. And there was money in it, but Sean was standing right there. I'm kidding. I would have, I would have knocked on the door. So, because I 
can never lie anyway. So I picked up the wallet, and Sean was standing there. Nice man, broke my hand when he shook it. I was like, oh my gosh. And I, I looked at the picture, and I'm like, this definitely, I, I probably shouldn't have said this, because lately I've been saying things I shouldn't say. I said, I don't think this is you. It was like a guy 30 years younger, had hair and everything. So I, I gave it to him. He goes, no, that's not me, that's my son. And he said, oh, look, there's money in it. And he said, thank you so much. So I had a little bit of a conversation with him, and I'm going to follow up with him. But that's what God is talking about. You know, he puts wallets and things in our place for a reason. So we need to go out these doors. We need to go to our brothers, our sisters, our homes, our bosses, uh, everything. When God gives you uh, those opportunities and you need to pray for them. So I am going to fling the door open, like I said, and I'm going to go outside. Hello, Jason. Can you hear me? Because I'm actually outside. Okay. I have one last thing to say to wrap it all up. Your heart and your circumstances and your message really came home to me when there is a story. And this story is about people that live on the other side of the world. They don't, they don't even live here. They live all the way on the other side of the world. I'm thinking, well, that doesn't affect me. That, that doesn't affect me at all. But you know what? Your world and our world is getting really small. Let's not think that we're not going to be persecuted. Let's not think that what happens over where ISIS is isn't going to come here. Let's not think that the things that other people that are being persecuted for the faith isn't going to happen to you. If it doesn't happen to you, trust me, it's going to happen to your kids. If it doesn't happen to your kids, it's going to happen to your grandkids, but it's coming. It's already here in so many ways. But these three, actually four young children, true story, really happened. But because it's so far away, I read these things, I say, ah, it's not real. But four children under 15 in the paper, and I believe Samaritan's Purse also uh, reported on this, that ISIS came to these four young children and they said, we will kill you if you do not denounce Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Now, this wasn't a case of four children dying and then later someone went back and said, oh, you know what? They were Christians and they were martyred. No, these are four children standing in front of armed military who said, if you do not say that Jesus Christ is not your Lord, not your Savior, not your Master, we will cut your heads off. And they said, we cannot denounce, we cannot say that Yahshua, Jesus is not our Savior. We cannot do that because he is with us. And ISIS killed them, the four of them, under 15. And I said, like a lot of times, I think these things aren't real, but trust me. Those things are real, and your heart and your circumstances and your message needs to be pointing to Jesus Christ because, trust me, you're going to have, we're going to have in America where we live in the land of the free, we're going to have people saying to you, I don't believe what you believe in, and you're making me angry. And we, we're going to have it. But even if we don't see that, what we need to do is ask God to work in our hearts to work in our, our circumstances and our message that we're living each and every single day, that we are doing our best 
to meet the people that God wants us to be used to have them saved through the Holy Spirit and that God is glorified. You know, one of the things um, I forgot to mention, and I'll, I'll just mention it quick, make sure our message is right as well. Make sure it is that Jesus Christ died for them and he rose again. Because there are, if you get the message wrong, uh, Kara goes to Word of Life and one of her professors said, if you get the message wrong, two terrible things are going to happen. Sinners are not saved and God is not glorified. Let me pray. Father, I thank you for putting up my babbling. But may, as Nick prayed for me this morning, may what is said and what is heard and what is acted on are the things that are only from you. We love you so much, Lord. Be with our hearts, be with our circumstances, and be with our message. We love you so much, Lord. And we just ask that you continue to bless us through the, the trials you put us through, through the people you have us meet. Again, we, we love you, Lord, and we thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. May you help us, as David said this morning, may you take us and to be used to bring people from darkness to the light. Only, only in Jesus' name, amen.